after the last year, but we're also inviting you to ask a friend. There is power in an invitation. There's power in the invitation. And then you're going to invite friends, and it's going to be a great time, and we're going to just uh, celebrate Jesus together and throw a great big party. And I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to hand out flyers and do all kinds of fun stuff in relationship to that. But uh, our Back to Church Sunday, Back to Church Sunday, this kind of kickoff here really is taking us into a new season. And we're excited about what the Lord is doing here at City Church. We have some really excited announcements coming up in the 1st of September. So you're going to hear about those, what's going to be happening here at this campus. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you have the Bibles this morning, I want you don't stand yet. I'm going to have you stand in just a moment. But I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. I want you to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And then I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. John chapter 4. And then we're, I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read Matthew 11, 28 first. But I got some welcome mats up here. And uh, I, had a, I had a welcome mat in front of my door at my house. I bought the, the current house that we live in. Um, the bank actually owns the house. I just make rent payments to them for the rest of my life. But uh, the house that we are currently, uh, the bank bank currently owns and I'm currently living, uh, I bought a, I brought a welcome mat from the house that we had in Altamont. It was kind of a, it was a big mat and I don't I was trying to think how old it was. It was probably, well, I lived in that house seven years. That, that mat was probably 14 years old. And a 14-year-old mat, I mean, it might say welcome on it when it starts, but after 14 years, there might be a we left on it. You know, there's a we or a me, but I mean, you can't even hardly tell what it says. And over the 14 years, I paint my house every couple of years, this welcome mat, I mean, it had paint, it was just, I mean, it was just nasty. It was just nasty. It just got nasty, and I'd cleaned it a couple of times, but you know, it's one of those things you don't think about often. And about five, six weeks ago, we had our pastor friend from Seattle, uh, Pastor Jenny Smith, come to visit. She was going to come visit our home. I remember, was, you know, and I kind of took a different look. You know, when you invite someone, a guest, into your home, when you invite someone, you know, that you have honor for, uh, you tend to look at things a little bit differently. And, and so I remember I was kind of looking at my front yard, and there were some weeds kind of in the flower bed, and... And, you know, there's some things in the driveway and weeds were popping up through the cracks. And I looked at that welcome mat and it was nasty. Everyone say nasty. And so I said, you know what, it's time to go get a new welcome mat. And so I went down to the Home Depot Lowe's, wherever I went. And I was surprised at how much money they get for a welcome mat. And so I bought me a brand new welcome mat. And it got, got me thinking about this whole concept of welcome. This whole concept of welcome. Here at City Church, we've always desired to do the very best we could with what God has given us. Because we welcome people into an environment where they can encounter the Spirit and the presence of Jesus. Not just on a weekly basis, but seven days a week. You know, this campus is open seven days a week. We have things going on here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, Thursday nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You could come up here just about any time. And every once in a while, you might actually find someone sleeping inside the building because they decided to pray. I mean, there are just things happening on this campus. And when you open a building up like this or a property like this up to the community, it gets a lot of wear and tear. 
And we fight hard to keep this place, to, to make it a place that feels welcome to people. We try to take care of the grass. We try to pull the weeds. We put out fresh bark. Whoever came up with the idea of bark? I mean, if you, if you, if we put out $800 worth of bark on this campus three weeks ago, and it looks like we didn't do a thing last week. I mean, rain washes it all away, and I'm having I'm trying to shovel it back up. What a waste of time that bark is. But we wanted to beautify the place because we want people to feel welcome. It doesn't matter where you live, what kind of home you go to. Everyone likes to feel welcome in an environment. Everyone wants to feel welcome. And we're going to look at a couple of, we're going to look at one particular story today. And we're going to look at the heart of Jesus. We're going to look at the heart of Jesus and the way that Jesus welcomed people into his life. The way that Jesus welcomed people into his life. I want you to turn this morning to Matthew chapter 11. If you don't have it, we're going to read verse number 28. And I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Jesus said, come to me. Everyone say, come. Come to me. Jesus didn't say, come to a building. Jesus didn't say, come to a religion. Jesus didn't say, come to some rule or some tradition. Or Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary. Everyone say weary. How many could sign up for the weary club sometime? Come on. All you who are weary and burdened. How many of you carried a burden or two in your life sometime? Amen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for my souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Everyone say, come. Come to me. Come to Jesus. Would you turn over to John chapter 4. We're going to read just a couple of verses, but we're going to talk through this encounter with, the, with this woman at a well. One of the most famous stories in the Gospels. One, one of the most famous stories because it's a person that so many of us can identify with. So many people can identify with the person that Jesus invited into his world. John chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse number 4. And the Bible says, now he had to go. Everyone say, he had to go. That's a very interesting phrase. He had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was noon. Jesus sat down by the well because he was tired. Uh, in our minds, in our hearts, and our spirits, one of the great challenges for all of us is to wrap our understanding around how Jesus could get tired. Because if we read the New Testament, we read the Gospels, we see a man of profound words. We see a man of great revelation. We see a man of many miracles. Miracles that are so incredible that most of us in this room have never seen those kinds of things. Never seen the kinds of things that Jesus did. 
And so we can identify with Jesus when he claimed and declared, if you have seen the heavenly father, you've seen me, his identification with his godhood. But to see him as a man, to see him as a fully man and fully God, it's one of the great complexities. It's one of the great mysteries of the gospel. But Jesus was tired and he sat down by the well for it was noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. We're going to follow this progression of revelation that she has of Christ today. You've got to see this this morning. Because I believe this is the progression of revelation that every person has to journey and walk through in their life at some time. She said, you are a Jew, but I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You see, there were cultural mandates and there were theological understandings and there were religious biases and, and there were ethnicity differences. There were, there were things that were keeping those two people from being able to communicate in any kind of meaningful way. For I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me a drink? For the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God. The word gift there has the understanding of favor. If you knew the favor of God. And who it is that asks you for a drink. You would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. I want you to just see this. Verse number 11. The first part of it. Sir, the woman said, sir, she sees him as a Jew and then she sees him as a sir, sees him as a man, sees just as a, a person that she can't connect with. Now she begins to see a different kind of person. Father, I thank you this morning that in this room, I pray for those today, Lord, the welcome mat is out. We place the welcome mat out for your spirit and for your presence and for people in this community and city to experience your grace and love. I thank you today, Jesus, that you are in this place to bring transformation and change. I thank you, Jesus, although we come here maybe one way, we can leave here a different way. I thank you, Jesus, that you never change. But every person that you encounter, every person that you touch, every person that enters into a relationship with you will be changed for all eternity. We love you, Jesus. Give ears to hear to City Church. Give us ears to hear. Let us put out the welcome mat for your spirit and presence. But let us put out the welcome mat for this community. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. My welcome mat got a little dirty. Got a little dirty. Although it was still useful, it, it just wasn't as nice as it could have been. You know, sometime in churches, we lose perspective of why we are and why we do what we do. In Revelation chapter 22, Jesus said, the spirit and the bride say come. The spirit and the bride say come. The Holy Spirit of God bids you to come, to come to Jesus. He, he spoke to your heart. You got up this morning. Maybe you didn't feel like coming. You had distractions. Maybe you, you had a rough day yesterday. I don't know what was happening in your world, but you came here today. You came to this place today and you encountered the presence of God. The great challenge that we have in our Christian experience and our Christian walk, if we're a Christian for longer than a year or two years, 
we stop encountering people at a well. We stop thinking about the person who hasn't had that life-changing encounter and experience. The welcome mat that we lay out for people to be friendly and warm and, and to look for an opportunity maybe to share the love of God, it starts to get a little dirty in our life. It happens in local churches all the time. Churches get focused on budgets and buildings. Churches get focused on programs and all kinds of things, but they forget about their community. They forget about the people that Christ came for. It happens to all of us. We we all, every person in this room, we miss opportunities. We just miss them. There are people right next to us, and we're preoccupied with their own life. We're so inward focused that we can't see the hurt of the people sitting next to us. Young man and woman got saved in our church about three months ago. And it's amazing because I've seen this so many times. They were radically changed. They've been radically changed by Christ. I mean, their lives are just, I mean, he was in our men's group on Wednesday night. He was just talking about the radical transformation. I mean, just being this guy going this way, all kinds of junk and stuff. And Christ comes into his life. Wham! He just turned around 180 degrees. And, and every time he comes to church, he brings someone with him. He drags them. He makes them come. You got to come. You got to hear. You got to see. You got to meet this Jesus that I've met. I mean, that welcome man in his life is wide open. But we get stuff. We get, like I talked about, we get dirt and problems and pain and hurt. And we get become connoisseurs of the Christian faith. Uh, you know, when we first start out in this thing, man, we just know Jesus. I was telling someone yesterday at breakfast, I said, when I came to Jesus, and I, would just, I just went to the church and I said, Pastor, is there anything I can do? I mean, I, just, I want to just sweep the parking lot. That's a true story. I, I had no design or desire to stand in front of people and preach. That was the farthest thing from my mind. I said, Pastor, is there any? I mean, I didn't know. I didn't even know if I had any gifts. I said, just give me a broom. I know that I can sweep. I know how to push a broom. And pastor, you know, well, we pay somebody to push the broom in our church. I don't quite know. He said, well, you know, I got an idea. He said, we have a nursing home service. And, and every Sunday morning, we got a group of people that go down to a local nursing home. Why don't you start going with them during the Sunday school hour and start to minister to the seniors down at the nursing home? Whatever, pastor. I mean, the welcome out of my life was wide open. It wasn't about what I wanted. I didn't know all the great big words, justification and sanctification and holiness and a Christophany and, and a theophany. I didn't, I didn't have the word eschatology in my vocabulary. I didn't understand all these great big theological words and what they meant. And you ever talk to someone and they say, what does eschatology mean? And you're like, well, I think it means that. You're not even sure what these words mean. What does it mean to be justified? I mean, do you remember a day when it was simple in your life? Come on. Do you remember a day when it was just really simple? Ah, you know, you, you walk and you run into somebody at the store and, and they start to talk to you about your life and you start sharing. You're so excited about what Jesus has done for you. And, and they say, you know, they, they say, well, I, I got a problem with that religion stuff. I mean, if God is so good, why is all this pain in the world? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there poverty? Why did my father have this happen? Why did my uncle have that happen? We have all these questions, and, they, and we're looking like, ah. Uh. And so we go home, and we try to study up on the great mysteries of life so that we can give an answer to every man that asks of us. You know, and so we want to have an answer, but the answer never seems to quite work. There, because the fact is, we don't have an answer. We don't know why everything. 
there is this mystery of the gospel. It's received by faith through the grace of God. It's simply believing that there is a God who is and who's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And the Spirit and the Bride say, come! Say, come! The welcome mat of this church is to bring God's love to this city, regardless of race, color, creed, class, regardless of social economic background. I mean, no matter where a person, where, I don't care where they're at. Outside this building, there's a man that comes every Sunday. He only comes here for one reason. He comes for food. He lives not too far from here. As a matter of fact, he probably lives in a little area that some of you maybe have seen when you came off the freeway. He comes to this building every week, every single week comes for food. I want you to know Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so I just think he keeps showing up. And you know, he just gets a little closer. And a little closer. And a little closer. And then one day, one of you is going to get a burden for him. One of you is going to see him standing outside the fence. And you're going to say, why don't you come on in with me today? Why don't you come on in and sit down with me? Well, why don't you let me take a meal for you? Why don't you let me take you down here and get some food? To Maybe just something like that. All of a sudden, you start brushing off the dirt off your welcome mat. You start to see things from a different perspective. As a community of believers, as a local church, my life was radically changed. Radically changed. We were pastoring in the inner city of Seattle, and I, I, I used to run a bus down to pick up the homeless every week. And I've seen this own transition in my own life and heart. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know in my home church we never had homeless people. At least if we had them, I never knew it because there was never a welcome mat out for them. But I had a heart. I said, Jesus, I just want to do what you would do. I began as a young person. You're idealistic. and You, you know, you see the world. You, you believe you can make a difference. You believe you can change a generation. You, you believe God's got a purpose for you. You believe it's not just about making money and having a bigger bank account and buying a bigger home, but you want to do something significant. That's why I love being around young people, because they don't have it all figured out yet. They just got stars in their eyes. Stars for a woman or a boy, or, and stars for a great destiny in God. I, I drove that bus. Didn't have it. I didn't even have I didn't even have a CDL. I was young and dumb. God had mercy on me. Don't do what I did. <laughs> I drove that bus downtown Seattle. I went to the homeless shelter because I started busing in the homeless. Started just driving the homeless. We didn't have, how do you do homeless ministry? I don't know. You make some sandwiches and you give them to some people and they started out lining up the back door. And then we started getting a little smarter, you know, because those guys are wise. Guys that have been out there, you know, living on the streets for a long time, they got some of the stuff figured out and we had to get a little smarter about how we did things and how we did church and we had to have workers with them, and, and then we got into another build, building that had a balcony. We, you know, parents were afraid to bring their kids to church. Come on, parents. We had home, people that were homeless there. You know, this is not, none of this is in my message. It's just coming out of me right now. <laughs> Two weeks ago on a Sunday night, I turned on 60 Minutes, and Sanford, Florida was in the news again. You know why Sanford, Florida was in the news? Because there are 350 families that live in Central Florida. Sanford, Florida. We are the epicenter of the homeless situation in America. Did you know that? Right where this church sits. 
I, I begin to reflect back to when I first started the church and I would run downtown and, and I would drive the bus and I'd pick up the homeless and we'd have a meal every single week from the homeless guys. And it wasn't easy. It was dirty. I'll tell you what, when you put out a welcome mat and it starts getting dirty, it ain't always easy to get that dirt off. And sometimes the dirt don't come off. One time at the end of the service, I walked to the back and where this guy had been sitting, right back where Karen was sitting. He was sitting right on the corner. He had kind of stumbled his way out the door. And, and I went back at the end of the service. I walked back there, and there was an empty bottle of MD-20. And while we had been drinking of the new wine, he found an old bottle of wine. I turned. I walked out the door to the left, and this guy was just laying in a bush. <laughs> and it wasn't the Holy Ghost. <laughs> He, wasn't, he was slain under the spirit, but it was a different spirit. I mean, when you put out a welcome mat in your community, when you put out a welcome mat in your heart for God to do something in your life, it might look different than what you think. That's exactly what happened in Jesus' world. In John chapter 4, we see that first verse, in verse number 4, it says, Now he had to go. Jesus had to go. Bill Heibel, pastor, is one of the great churches of America. He said this. He says, we never locked eyes with someone that did not matter to God. We've never locked eyes with someone that did not matter to God. Max Licato, the author of many Christian books, said it like this. If you tell me who you love, I can tell you who you are. Jesus. Jesus says, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. When you've done it to the least of these. Jesus. I begin to read all the scripture verses that when Jesus said, come. You know who Jesus told to come to him? Jesus told the children. Jesus told the children to come to him. The mission of City Church from the very beginning, we've always been focused on bringing children and youth to have an encounter with Jesus. Why? Because they're the most open Tomorrow, school starts, and parents were sending our kids back into an environment. And, if they're, and I don't care if they're in a Christian school, a public school, home school, even homeschool now with the Internet can be a dangerous place. I mean, they're going to go back into an environment where you don't have complete control of their life. And this message of the gospel has to be internalized inside of their hearts. So we're sending our kids out, and we're going to have 75 new students. Not new, some of them repeats, but we're going to have a bunch of new students they're going to come back into our campus, and we're going to start our, our preschool academy, City Church Preschool Academy. We're going to open the doors again. We've laid out a welcome, welcome mat. We're making some transitions even in the way that we're going to do our academy this year. We're going to do chapel every day. Every day the kids are going to get a 15-minute window presentation of the gospel. Every minute they're going to hear every, every day. Because Jesus said, for out of the mouth of babes, God has perfected praise. Jesus had to go this way. Which way did he have to go? He had to go the way of Samaria. This is so important because, listen, the Samaritans and the Jews were kind of like the Palestinians and the Jew today. I mean, there was no love lost between these two people groups. The, the, the Samaritans of Jesus' day, they believed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They had part of the truth, but they didn't have the whole truth. They didn't have the whole truth. And over a period of time, 400 some years, a schism had grown, and, 
And the Samaritans said, hey, we can worship God anywhere we want to. The Jews said, no, you've got to worship God in the holy city, at the temple. They had different understanding of the Bible. They separated that separation over a long period of time. It became bigotry. It became religious bigotry, religious hatred. In Jesus' generation, a rabbi would never talk to a woman. Because if he talked to a woman, it might be presumed that he was talking to a prostitute. Even to this day, in the strict Orthodox Jewish culture, men and women who are not married don't mix. My rabbi friend in Ormond Beach, he's an Orthodox Hasidic rabbi, and, and he would never shake a woman's hand. I didn't know all their rules. They got all the secret rules. And so when I went to his, his synagogue and I, I met his wife and his daughters, I just walked up there to stick out my hand. And his wife, she was standing across the room, and she just kind of laughed. She goes, we'll just wave like this, okay? And they don't do that. I mean, for thousands of years, they had a separation in their, their relationships. And for Jesus to end up at this well at noontime because he was tired, it was something he had to do. He was a man with a mission. City Church has a mission. And our mission is to bring God's love to the city one person at a time. Come on. Our mission is to bring the love of God. But listen, it ain't just the body. It's you. We're all members of this body. We're all part of the mission. It's why we make these invite cards. It's it's, it's why we give you the tools through the little in-touch cards that we make. We give you these tools so that when you go out to eat or you see a coworker or a friend in the neighborhood, you can invite them to come. You can invite them to come. Jesus had a mission. And I want you to see this progression of revelation. When she sees Jesus, she said, you're a Jew. You're just a man. Do you know how many people that you know see Jesus as just a man? And some of them even think he wasn't a very good man because he was so exclusive in the way that he allowed people into his kingdom. I mean, there's a lot of people. It's really challenging in our culture today that you can talk about every faith in the public arena but Christianity. I mean, as soon as you start saying the name Jesus, whoa, 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 wait a second, you're getting too exclusive now. Even our own military is trying to tell chaplains that they can't pray in the name of Jesus. Now, why is that? Why is his name so offensive? Why is his name so offensive? Because the Bible says it is only his name. And by no other name under heaven might men be saved. There's only one way. There's only one way. And it's, it, it, there's no other way. The problem is people haven't had a right understanding of who he is. As we begin to go through this story, we see that she sees him with this man she can't associate with. She can't talk to him. And then verse number 10. And then he says, but listen, woman, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who this person is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everyone say living water. There's stagnant water in Florida. We know that there's lots of nasty water. Come on. Retention ponds everywhere full of muck and green. You're like, you come up to it, you wouldn't even put your toe in it. Toe might fall off. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you living water. John 7, 58. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus stood at the temple on the last and great day of the feast. And the Bible says that he cried out. I love the cry out verses. 
My wife likes the soft verses in the Bible. I like the cry out verses in the Bible. And Jesus cried out. Jesus cried out. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that living water. Who you would have asked. The living water, not just satisfy one drink. If you've been trying to satisfy your life, all kinds of things. See, she sees him as a man, and boy, verse number 11, now, sir, sir, she's getting a little different perspective. It's what happens to people in your world who aren't people of faith. They start to encounter the real Jesus and not trappings of religion or religiosity, but they start to hear about the real Jesus, how he changes your life, and there's a little bit of an interest. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw the water. The well is deep. Where can we get this living water? Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father? See, she wants to change the conversation back to religiosity. She wants to change the, con- the, the conversation back to the tradition of her fathers. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it as himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, he, did, he answered with a non-answer. He never answered a great politician. He never answered. He never answered her question. He immediately turned the question back to living water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them springs of water, welling up to eternal life. Springs of water, welling up into eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water. I want this water. I want this water that I drink of. And I'll know from that day forward, it'll never be in a relationship. It'll never be by entertainment again. It'll never be by amassing a great fortune or having a specific kind of job. That will never ultimately satisfy me. I was with a young man the other day. He's 32 years of age. He's a multimillionaire. He runs a $24 million software company. And I was taught he's done everything. He's a pilot in the Army. He's an amazing 32-year-old. Got his master's degree in science and business. And phenomenal young man. 15-year-old graduate from high school. 19-year-old graduate from the university. Young man, it was just really amazing. He said, you know, I got all these things and I've done all this stuff, but I just want to serve Jesus. I said, I got all this stuff. The only thing I really, in my life, I, I tried to pastor, but I don't know how you guys do it. I couldn't figure out how to do it amazing and he just he's still in his heart he just wants to serve jesus because he knows it's the only thing that satisfies because once you drink of this water never another drink a smoke a dip a chew never another thing out here that people are searching for to try to find happiness it'll never satisfy it just never does oh jesus i want this drink i want to drink of this water so he says to her woman Go call your husband. Come back here. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you now live with is not quite your husband. What you've just said is quite true. She goes from seeing him as just a man to seeing him, hey, there's something different about this guy. All of a sudden, she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Look at this transit. She sees it. Now all of a sudden, hey, maybe there is something to this Jesus. See, she's getting closer. 
Jesus has got the welcome mat out for her life. He's offering her eternal life. He's offering her a drink of water that she'll never drink again. He's offering her, instead of death, he's offering her life. He's offering her the freedom from sin and captivity of Satan. He's offering her deliverance and healness and wholeness and love. He's offering her acceptance and forgiveness. He's offering her abundant life. See, it wasn't just that he was telling her future. Jesus has the ability to look inside your heart and see every hurt. Jesus has the ability to push through all the stuff and all the excuses and to get right to the deep core issue of your life. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Oh, oh, but maybe even more than a prophet. Oh, look at our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus replied, believe in me, for the time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation came from the Jews. Yet a time was coming, and now has come, when true worshipers will worship the, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth, for this is the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. For God is a spirit. You see, what God does, He begins to change a person's understanding and perception. They take this journey and all of a sudden they begin to get a clear revelation. When they come in and they come into our community through a Celebrate Recovery or through a children's program, when they come into our community because of faith, because you invited them, and all of a sudden they, they see the bride. You are the bride of Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride. A holy pride without spot nor wrinkle. You are the bride of Jesus. You are the crown jewel of his creation. He loves you. He loves his church. And his prayer is that everyone, everyone will be part of his family. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish. My theology does not allow me to put God in a box and say that he's condemned some men to eternal damnation. My theology does not allow me to go there because I understand the heart of God and the nature of Jesus where the Bible says that God so loved the world that He was not willing that anyone should perish. This woman has this revelation. He goes from being just a man to a place of honor, position of honor. He's a prophet. But then I want you to see this verse. Look at this next verse. Verse number 25. Then the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am the one speaking to you. This woman had a date with destiny. He, didn't, he wasn't just some man that lived a long time ago. He wasn't just a good person that walked on the earth and did a few magic shows and fed a few people. He wasn't just a person who spoke the truth that the people have to come and live this certain kind of way. He, he Listen, he wasn't just those things. He Yes, he was all those things, but he was the Messiah. He was the Messiah who was to come, who would save their people from their sins. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. Hallelujah. And she has a revelation. She had a date with destiny. This city, this city is looking for people who are saying, I got to go this way. 
Tom, I got to go. You know, I'm at this, this, this person needs this in touch card. Uh, this person that I sit next to at work and they're looking for solutions to their problems and they're running to the club and to the bar to find Mr. Wonderful. This person that I know over here, my neighbor, whose wife is going through cancer but they got no hope. This person, I must go this way. I must. See, I'm praying that as a church family today, we have these welcome mats and there's a bunch of people that are going to come in that got dirt. But listen, when they come in through the doors of this church, they're going to begin to see the blood of Jesus. It washes you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And you go from having dirt over to welcome friend. Welcome into the family of God. God loves you. God accepts you. God forgives you. And when you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, you will be changed. Amen. Come on. The welcome mat is out. The welcome mat is out today. Oh, I get dirt in my life still. And I need the blood of Jesus. You see, I, I'm in now. I'm in now. You see, there's a welcome mat that leads into two doors. The door of grace and the door of truth. The door of grace and the door of truth. You walk through the welcome mat and you encounter with the truth. The truth of who Jesus is. I mean, it's what makes the challenge of our faith today in a pluralistic culture where there's so many paths and roads that people express and everyone has the right to their own opinion. And I get that. And thank God for freedom. But Jesus didn't care what political party a person associated with. He didn't care if they were a Pharisee or a Sadducee, a Republican, a Democratic, an Independent, a Communist, a Liberal. He didn't care. He just didn't care. He said, come to me. Come to me, all ye that are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. He didn't define people by the color of their skin. He didn't separate people by their social economic standing in life. He didn't relegate people to a certain ideology or political party. He just said, come. He said, come to me. And that's the message of City Church. Come to Jesus. We're laying out a welcome mat. We're laying out a, a welcome mat to this community. I love that if you look down to the last little part of the story, you skip a few verses. She went back and told her friends. She went back and told her friends, you got to see this man that I met that told me everything about my life. And then when they heard, they heard the story. It was so convincing. She didn't have all the answers for them. She didn't understand all the distinguishing marks about Judaism and the Pharisees' religion and practice of faith. She didn't know all the answers to their questions, but she met a man who changed her life. And his name was Jesus. And you said, you've got to come and see him. He isn't just the Messiah. He's also the Savior of the whole world. And they said when they met him, we know not because of what she told us, but now we've met you. We've encountered you. And we know you as the Savior of the world. Come on, amen. And there is a message for the city. It's a message of truth. Truth is a difficult pill to swallow. It offends. It convicts. It challenges. Doctor says you got cancer in your body. It's truth. But I got a solution. It ain't a very good solution because man's got their hands all over. But it's still a solution. So you go to that solution. Jesus said you got a problem. It's called sin. It's called rebellion. It's called, it's called hurts, 
how, whatever you want to name it, you got a problem. But I got a solution. It was the shedding of my own blood on Calvary's tree. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. I got a solution and a way because I'm a way maker in your life. So come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me for my burdens are easy and my yoke is light. Come to me. That's the call today. Jesus is calling. Maybe there's someone in this room. I'm challenging us in this next season as a church. I'm challenging us. These walls can't contain what God wants to do in our reality in this church. It's when that team two weeks ago went to Walmart and had a little tent. And it said free prayer and bottle waters on a hot day. And I saw people on our team standing underneath the tent praying for people outside of Walmart. You want to know how? You want to know how you can feel God's spirit and presence? You want to know how you can make a difference in someone's life? Just stand in front of a Walmart and say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Oh, my, oh, my. Wow, you want to feel the power of God? You want to see miracles and have God speak to you clearly and give you words? Just do something a little bit outside of the normal. I got to go this way. I got to go this way. See, we're a people. We're a people who are committed to this message of grace. We're committed to the message of grace. It's truth that Jesus said mercy triumphs over judgment. No one enters. No one enters into a relationship with Christ except for by faith through grace. It's all about grace. It's all about his grace. It's all about his love. It's all about his acceptance. He accepts people right where they're at. It's all about his forgiveness and the way that he changes the human heart. Only Jesus can change the human heart. Only Jesus. We can't reform people. There's not enough money in the world to fix every ill. Our culture today, we want to take a pill for every ill. And I got to tell you, there's one pill. It's called the gospel. Gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's good news for this generation. And it fixes every ill on the planet. It turns hatred into love. It turns hatred into love. It turns bondage into freedom. Come on, it turns bondage into freedom. It turns hurt into life. Today Jesus comes. And we're laying out the welcome mat for our city. I got a challenge for us today. I got a challenge for this church family and this church community this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking today to someone in this room. This woman had a progressive revelation of who Jesus was and who he is in her life. He went from being just a man to the Messiah, to the Savior, not only of her life, but for the whole world. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and you're in this room, and we've laid out a welcome mat for you. Maybe you haven't been church in a long time. I woke up this morning my heart was burdened for several young people that used to be part of our church that have drifted away. I mean, young people that used to lead our prayer meetings, young people that have tasted the goodness of God. And they had a little hurt in their life. Something took place. And they found themselves drifting away from the purpose. I was just praying, God, the welcome mat's still out for them. I was praying for them. I was calling out their names to God. Maybe you're here today and you're that prodigal. Maybe you've known Christ. Maybe you've You've had a revelation, but you've drifted away from him over the years. And the stuff of life has come and the disappointments or 
just living life your own way. Today, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart. and He's knocking. He says, I want to come in. I want to have a relationship with you. He loves you. He's gone out of his way to meet you today. And you're here in this room. You're here in this room. Before we move on to the next step, you're here in this room today. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He loves you. He accepts you right where you're at today. He accepts you right where you're at today. If you accept his love, if you accept his, if you receive his acceptance, if you allow him to forgive you, he will change your life. He will change your life. He will give you living water. He will give you living water. Right now, you're here in this room when I count to three, and you know your life isn't right with God. You know you aren't where you are supposed to be with Jesus. You know that today when I count to three, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Spirit is saying, come to Jesus. If that's you when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. One, two, three in this room right now. Come on. 